How's everybody going? Good, good. I have been away this week. Uh, we went up to Queensland for our national conference that hasn't been on for three years. Uh, and it was an incredible time to be together. And the weather in Queensland was just straight up average. Um, I mean, it felt like Melbourne. Um, you know, funny story. Um, we checked the weather and the radar and the, the weather uh, projection was that it was going to rain all week. And um, I anticipated, I don't know where I got it from, but where we had booked in our hotel, and when I say by we, I didn't book in our hotel, Jan did it for me, it was amazing. I thought we were 800 metres away. So the guy I was travelling with, I said to him, 800 metres is about eight, nine minutes of walking there and back. If it's raining, we're going to get wet. More importantly, our shoes are going to get wet. I said, we should hire a car. So within two minutes of that conversation, I called that person back. That person was Mark. He's over there. And we'd hired a car. So we hired a car. We drove. The hotel was directly across the road from where their conference was. I'm talking 101 steps. And it didn't really rain. When we were outside, but we had a car. And do you know what else we had? A lot of Krispy Kreme donuts. Who likes Krispy Kreme donuts? Man, I have eaten collectively the amount of junk food that I would probably average in a quarter of a year in the last four days. You know, it's the type of holiday where you don't just eat one donut, you eat more than one donut. Has anybody ever been on that kind of holiday? And then towards the end of the holiday, you start thinking, I think I'm craving vegetables. <laughs> Has anybody ever been on one of those? It's a good holiday if you've been on a holiday like that. Or the other thing is you're like, everyone starts to say this. You go, hey, you know what? When I get home, I've got to get my eating together, but let's finish strong. Let's get more donuts. You know, I'm like, let's not waste the back end of the holiday. We've been this great with food. Like, like, let me describe to you. I went out, you know, and one of the people that I was with, this is what they ordered for dinner. Cheesy garlic bread and chips. It was a carb upon carb meal. You know, at that point, when I st uh, stared at the uh, traditional roast of the day, the type of eating I'd done that week, I wanted the chips and cheesy garlic bread. But getting home, seeing my beautiful family and, 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 and being so spiritually like full, it was an incredible week. Um, it, it was just absolutely a blessing. And you know what else was? Eating fruit and vegetables. Can I get an amen? Uh, they were just, the apple was so just beautifully crunchy. And it was an incredible moment. And I figured based upon that, I wanted to talk this morning about the subject of fruitfulness. Now, not fruits of the Spirit. We, we've had, I love messages on fruits of the Spirit. That's brilliant. And we all need to know that. But I'm talking about fruitfulness from, from the perspective of that there is evidence in your life that God is at work in it. Fruitfulness. So we know fruitfulness, you can define it, uh, you know, as, as reproduction, producing more. You know, an apple tree that is fruitful will make more apples. And even in that statement in itself, an apple tree that is fruitful, will make more apples. 
As I pondered this week and reflected upon my life, my walk with Jesus, listened to the messages, I thought to myself, that means that if I am a fruitful Christian, I should be replicating that in my life, being that am I discipling and leading other people? So I asked myself the genuine question, which I'd like you to ask yourself today, which I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm not here to, to, to uh, make you feel bad about your walk. But what I am as, the, uh, as your pastor is I want you to be living in a reality of where you're at so that we can walk in a closer proximity with Jesus. I, I, my goal is that, that um, like I said, I, I've mentioned this before. I think it's an incredible statement. Judah Smith says, uh, he's a preacher in America that I really enjoy the way that he pastors the community that he leads. He says that following Jesus is less about a decision you make and more about a direction you're going with your life. So I'm concerned about the direction that you're going, not concerned as in negatively, as in I care about it. So the question I ask you is if replication has a lot to do with fruitfulness, how many people have you led to Jesus in the last 12 months? How many people have you taken on a a discipling journey in the last 12 months? How many opportunities have you taken a hold of? A fruitful thing replicates itself. So a question that you would ask yourself this morning is something I just want you to go, hey, how how am I going with that? You know, the simple thought would be, uh, and I think because you want it to be attainable, you know, we're going to change the world for Jesus, but we're doing it together as the body of Christ. But if every person in our local community together led started a conversation and over a 12-month period, you were able to start a discipling journey with even two people, that means our church would triple. In influence. And if we can make disciples that are making disciple, disciples, we're being fruitful. And I think the challenge that we have is that in every season of life, there, there's different challenges. Who agrees? That in every season of life, there are going to be different reasons and different things that stop you being able to be fruitful. I, I look at young people and uh, I go, wow, they've got so much time and so much energy, but no money. No, no practical resource. So the challenge in that season is simple. They've got the time, they've got the energy, they don't have the resource. So there is an excuse for fruitfulness in their world. They're studying, they're trying to get good grades. Uh, so therefore, you know, there, there is not much time to work. I think young professionals, what's the challenge in that? In that time is that you're putting in the hours to build and develop a career. We want people we want Christians to be successful in commerce. Who agrees with that? We, we, we need them to be, we need Christians to be successful in every sphere uh, of our society. But what happens with, with young professionals, they've gone through the broke stage and now they're in a stage where they're trying to develop a career. I'm praying that they're, they're thinking about their future. They're trying to build a deposit for a house, uh, maybe potentially thinking about getting married. You know, there's things there that can potentially take up their time, take up their focus. And if they're not careful as a Christian, it can begin to affect their fruitfulness. Young families, you've gone from from a a young professional, you've made it through university, all of a sudden you have money and then all of a sudden you have another life to worry about. That is a very interesting stage. It's like, hey, I've got money, you know, but now I need to go to bed at 7.30 because nothing's guaranteed overnight. 
You know, so there is, a, there is a young family stage where fruitfulness can be impacted. You know, when you commit to doing something, but the child's not on board, that's a reality. You move into teens. This is the stage we're entering and beginning to enter, and I've become a taxi. I am not a man no more. I am a driver for the entourage that I have created for myself. It's like, man, I've got to give up. You know, I prayed for the day I was a youth pastor for many years and then the national youth leader for many more years than I wanted to be. And now I'm still giving up my Fridays for youth. And I love it. I love it. She's not in the room so I can share. She picks out her clothes the day before. She's so cute. She is in the room somewhere. She's not. She's on kids today serving the house. And she's amazing anyway. She's She's an evangelism machine. She's not letting her stage stop her fruitfulness. But all of a sudden, I'm a taxi. What about the empty nesters? You think life is good and then you become an additional parent. So you go to the stage where, you know, hey, I'm alone. The kids are adult. They have kids. Then all of a sudden, that's a focus. Of, there's, there's a focus in that arena. That's just families. What about the challenges for people who are single? There are challenges there. It's easier to do things with combined income. It's easy to have a social life when, when there is someone to go with you. It is quite hard to be single and that can, uh, uh, if you let it, affect your fruitfulness. It won't and it shouldn't because the point that I'm about to make is that you can be fruitful in any season and any situation. There are people here that may be immigrants. That's a different culture, a different society. I know many great people that are highly qualified overseas and come to our great nation and aren't able to have those qualifications translate. That could affect fruitfulness. So many other things. There are people that have struggles. There are people that have changed desires. You know, I had different dreams. My opinion has developed. Uh, there, there, are, there are reasons why I want to change. There are reasons why I want to do something different. Fruitfulness is something that no matter where you are in this room right now, no matter what you face, there will be a challenge to your fruitfulness. But I pray today that as we reflect on the Word of God, is that we all realise and understand that God wants us to be fruitful in every season and that we can be fruitful in every season. So by the definition that I talked about earlier, fruitfulness is being, because I want to set up the premise when we think about it, evidence. So fruitfulness is evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and you are growing closer to Jesus. That's the fruitfulness. We know that that can produce itself with the fruits of the Spirit. But I want there to be evidence in my life. And I pray that you want the same, that there is evidence, there's proof that God is doing something in your life. You know, I, 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 I tell you what, it is a fulfilling thing to represent Jesus well. I uh, recently found out yesterday that um, I coach my son's basketball team and um, I've made it my mantle to be an encouragement machine. I just want to encourage him. I just want him to have the best time Greatness isn't about basketball, it's about who you are. And um, I found out yesterday by one of the club presidents, managers, we've got, we've got people changing clubs to come over to our club because of the culture that's being set. And she said to me in the conversation, she said, it's because of who you are. And in my heart, I'm like, please ask me why I am the way I am. <laughs> Just I'm ready to go, Jesus. 
you know? Fruitfulness. I didn't wake up as a young man and go, I'm gonna coach under 12s. But that's the season I'm in. So God wants me to be fruitful in that season. You can be fruitful where you find yourself, no matter your season. Here is a challenge. There may be people sitting in this room right now and God bless you. You say, you know what? I'm comfortable. I'm happy. I know what I want and I am content. And you know, that's a wonderful thing. In fact, contentment is amazing if that's what the Holy Spirit is producing in your life in this season. But I want to say this is that there can be people that can disguise laziness with contentment. And laziness is one of the biggest things that can affect your fruitfulness. Every person in this room will produce something. You will produce something, but there is a battle taking place over what that will be. We are uh, in the throes of trying to grow a hedge around the front of our, of our house. And, you know, I look at other people's houses. I don't know, Cam Hendry's in the room. I get, like, hedge envy. Like, it's, I've got to pray for it. Like, some people can grow a hedge. We planted these things, like, eight years ago. There's still a stump. There's nothing going on. So anyway, some of them died and gaps formed. And, and um, my neighbour came and he took clippings. Is that the name? He made clippings. You know what that is? Does anybody let me edge? I don't know what clippings is. I'm like, why are you cutting my things? They're mine. They're not growing and you're making them smaller. But he went and took these little clippings away and put them in something and they grew a root system and turned into a little plant themselves and we've planted them. So now I've got stumpy eight-year-old hedges and like baby little, baby little's looking great. Let me just tell you that. It's looking great. It's not looking great, but it will look great. But wait, like I said to Kiara and Jai and, and with the chores, I want you to water the garden. Get out there and begin to water the garden. I want you to make sure that dehydration is not a thing with these plants. Turns out you can overhydrate. I don't think we've done that yet. We've got like a stabby thing, you know. Has anyone seen them? And it's like, good job, you know, have you seen them? And anyway, so you've got the, the little stumps. But what's happened is we began to water and, and in, as we try to see these things grow and mature, the weeds are coming up just as quick. So now we have to focus on weeding just as much as we have to focus on watering because what happens is in the world we live in, something will be produced. And as you try to grow in your life closer to Jesus, there will be a battle that takes place over what you will produce. Examples of battles. You're helping somebody because you're trying to produce that in your life and they don't thank you. Then there is the act of love that's being produced in your life while it competes with a judgmental spirit. You try to study really hard and your grades are still average. So you've got a spirit of excellence you're trying to produce in your life, fighting against a spirit of anger or disappointment or apathy. You try to do something nice for your spouse, but the effort is not recognised. The spirit of humility versus entitlement, what's going to be produced? Discipline versus apathy. Integrity versus easy grains. Purity versus sexual desires. There is a battle over the soil of your life. What will be produced? 
you read in Galatians chapter 6, 7 and 8, and we'll land in our scripture for today in a moment. It says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh, they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit, they reap eternal life. So in a spiritual sense, what you allow to be produced in your life plays a huge role in the destination you end up in. A man reaps, a person reaps what they sow. You know, I think of examples of it in my life. There, there are certain things you have, to, you have to remember you are producing something. You know, I get home from being away and the kids run to the door. I'm tired. One wants a hug. One wants to show me a Rubik's Cube. The other one needed a jar being opened and I get all of this stuff coming at me. Now, if I consistently go, I need to just get settled for a moment. I need to just get into rhythm, just hold up. But then eventually what will be produced is when I come in the door, there'll be no recognition at all because you reap what you sow. What are you producing in your life? What is being reproduced in your life? Fruitfulness is always determined by what you sow because you reap what you sow. So Holy Spirit, I pray that in our lives, as you sow seed, Father, we produce what you want us to produce. So what can we learn about fruitfulness? We can learn many things and we will land in the Scripture. I might get you to go to it ahead of me. I'm gonna go to Matthew 21. And while you find that, I will convince you why fruitfulness is important. We need to be doing something. It doesn't come easy. It takes work. It takes seasons. But it's important. If you look at the Pharisees in the New Testament, they're a great example. They felt that by honouring the law, that is what was meant for them to do so that they could be righteous and worthy. But what you think about it, this was an externally standpoint. They, they, you know, there's many examples where Christ is effectively saying that they, they honour on the outside, but their hearts are far from Him. There was all of this process going on, all of this religious activity, but yet in the heart, there wasn't any fruitfulness. And in fact, Jesus then having a goal with them, He says this to them in Matthew chapter 3, 8. He says, produce fruits, talking to the Pharisees, in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit. The NLT translation says it like this. I think this will help us. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sin and turned to God. Give me evidence in your life that there is a fruitful relationship with God. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Proving the way you live. Their religious acts, their evidence had nothing to do with the internal man. The motive behind what you do will always determine what you produce. Motives are important. 
So when you look at the Pharisees, you see one side of the scale, but let's flip it the other way for a moment. Romans 7, 4, why is fruit important? Here's the premise. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. We can produce evidence that the Holy Spirit is prompting me to love my neighbour and to love God. Paul is effectively writing that when you come into the right type of relationship with Jesus, a sincere and genuine, there will be an abundance of evidence flowing out of your life. Focusing on the law and religion would never produce fruit. But a genuine relationship with Christ makes a harvest possible. Philippians 1.11 says this, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. In our relationship with the Holy Spirit, Father, we return to, are we being fruitful? And Holy Spirit, would you lead us to a place where we can? So if you don't produce fruit, what does that mean? If you're not fruitful, what does that mean? I wanna look at the fig tree. One of the most interesting scriptures that I think that I've ever pondered upon. And the deeper you look, the more and the deeper the understanding God gives you around it. But effectively, inward evidence is what counts. If I go through the next five to 10 minutes and you don't understand inward evidence, Evidence is what counts. Produce fruit in your life that shows the world you are moving in the right direction. You are chasing Jesus. Matthew 21, we'll start from verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He turned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, He said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him, yes. Jesus replied, have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. Everybody say leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have the faith and do not doubt, not only can you do 
what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go. Throw yourself into the sea and it'll be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you've asked for in prayer. What a crazy story. He's gone to the temple. He's messed it up because they're doing the wrong thing. He heals a few people. He leaves. And then we see evidence that Jesus gets tangry. Hungry and angry, tired and angry. It's one of the two destructive miracles that they talk about. One where he heals the guy and, and delivers him and, and, and casts the, the demons into the pigs and they go and they destroy themselves. The other one being when uh, he destroys the fig tree for no reason. We think there's no, like, what's going on? He goes up, it's got no fruit. It's not the season for figs, which I'll talk about in a minute. And because there's no fruit, he destroys it. I would have been like, Jesus, that's a bit rough. We'll buy you some fruit. You know, can you imagine the conversation? But then I ponder the question as I read this, how scary is it to be not fruitful? How frightening would it be? Now, there's actually something deeper going on and Jesus is actually teaching His disciples something. And I want to look at that just for a moment. Because as I first read this, I pondered to myself, if this, is this situation even fair? Poor tree. Like, it didn't have any fruit. Did it deserve to die? There was nothing about the fig tree, just so you're aware. Now, let me explain to you what was happening in the imagery there, because I think it's actually pretty cool. It's not the season for figs, Okay. The time that they are uh, in this portion of Jesus' ministry, it's not fig season. So what I found out is that young fig trees, they're, they're, they're pretty sought after because the fruit's quite sweet. But there's a process which is very interesting that happens is that often with fig trees, you get the fruit, then you get the leaves. Now, when we look in the gospel, we see that in other gospels, it says that he saw a fig tree in leaf. So Jesus being from that area would understand that if there is leaves, there should be fruit. If you've got leaves, you're saying to the world, I'm fruitful. But upon closer investigation, there's no evidence of any fruit anywhere. It's a great picture of false advertising effectively, isn't it? Who, who, who remembers recently I bought Jai his first ever Big Mac? I've become accustomed to the fact that the Big Mac doesn't look like the picture. You know, recently I was talking to the youth director in the East. He bought popping candy, but it didn't pop. It's a picture of false advertising. You appear to look like a certain thing, but when I look a little bit deeper, there are no evidence. There is no evidence of fruitfulness. I don't want God to look at my life that way. He was teaching the disciples that when you look at the temple that I've just messed up, all of the religion that they had, the facade that they had, there was no fruit. There was no evidence. And what he was effectively saying is that it would be destroyed and torn down. 
In Matthew 24, 2, it says this, Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. It's lack of fruitfulness. It's pretend facade was what Jesus was talking about. And this imagery of something that is not fruitful would be torn down and we know that it would be rebuilt. So what does that mean for us today? Assess what you're producing. I really wanna, I really wanna ask you today something simple. Produce something that makes God proud. Find someone this year to start a conversation with about Jesus and pursue them. Grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Don't be all leaves and no fruit. Don't be here worshipping with your hand raised, but in your heart you're distracted, in your heart you're just in rhythm. I know that I'm here. Don't be all leaves and no fruit. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Let your words line up with your actions. I want evidence in my life. What does that evidence look like in your life? I think about my neighbours, I still do. You know, post-COVID, all of a sudden, I'm not spending as much time with them as I did. So what are you doing to actively try and love them? Where's your evidence with your love for God? Do you let your timetable and your diary dictate your relational time with God, your prayer life? Where's your love for the bride? Where's the evidence? Luke 4, 16 says this, and he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read. So when I look at Jesus's priority for the church, it says there that he went on the Sabbath, which was his custom. So he made it a regular attendance. And he stood up and read, which meant he served the house. So if it's good for Jesus, it should be good for all of us. He didn't do home church. He went on Sunday to the Sabbath, to the, to the temple, to the synagogue, and he served there. No matter the season you're in, whether you're the oldest in this room or the youngest, to be fruitful, remember it's about your motive. You will produce something. Let your motive be that you want to honour God. But as I read this, the Lord actually brought back a, a memory in my life. And I'll invite the music team to come. I just need Andy. Here's something you can assess in your world that I think will be helpful. Assess what irritates you. But I, I want to come at it from a different angle. When I was a young man, I was uh, 16 or 17, I can't remember. I don't know if there's schools like this in Melbourne, but I went from a, a campus that was year 70, year 10, and then you'd graduate from year 10 and go to another campus, year 11 and 12. This was the area I was in. 
And I went to a pretty worldly, secular school. I, I look back on it now and, and am surprised at the stuff that God protected me through. You have to assess what you accept. You have to assess what gets on your nerves. I'm going to finish that story after reading this. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things He did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. Now, Jesus calls the place a den of thieves because what was happening is they were selling doves within the temple, but they were inflating the price like 20 times more. Like you could buy a dove for 4p outside the temple. In the temple, they were selling it for 75. So assessing what gets on your nerves, they were okay to rip people off. They were okay to, to let this immoral rip-off behaviour going on. That didn't get on their nerves at all, but anybody giving praise and glory to Jesus, it irritated them. They were getting irritated about the wrong thing. Assess what gets on your nerves so that you can produce the right thing. They were okay with things that would break the heart of God, but yet the moment Jesus is being glorified for doing wonderful things, the Scripture says they were annoyed. They were indignant. I'm in year 10. I want to go to the graduation party afterwards. There would have been alcohol there. Probably would have been drugs there. There would have been behaviour that I, because I went to that school, was never a part of it once in my life. However, it didn't irritate me. It didn't, it didn't really rate on my Richter scale. And you shouldn't be judgmental. That's not what I'm talking about. But the Holy Spirit spoke to my mum and said, you know what, pick Charles up pretty early. Because there's obviously God is speaking to her and there's something going on in her heart. Just get Charles out of that environment. So I remember coming home, being annoyed at my mother. And all of a sudden, as I was pondering this thought, what gets on my nerves, I was taken back, you know, in, in a little bit of repentance thinking, I was annoyed at the wrong thing. There was a party where being the personality I am would have done something stupid. But yet I wasn't annoyed at that atmosphere. I was annoyed at my mum who was willing to protect me. Are you getting annoyed at the right things? You know, there are people here that you think, oh, I'm getting annoyed about the way they always, not here, this is a generalisation. Our church is amazing, to be honest. I'd call you out if I would, I wouldn't care. But like there are people out there that go, oh, you know, all churches are about money, money, money. But is there something else that's going on in their world? They're wrong, about the wrong thing. The, the money is actually God wants your heart. You know, or, or, or there's something caught up. All they want us to do is serve and I'm burning out and I'm, I'm doing this. It's like, oh, is it God wants your heart? Are you annoyed at the right thing? My spouse keeps picking on me. Why? What is it that God is trying to produce in your life? Can you go home today and assess what annoys you and see whether it's something that needs to be removed or something that needs to be reinforced, but make sure that we remember what we sow, we reap. 
the motivation is more important than the action. Because we'll all produce something. I want to be fruitful. I want to grow closer to Jesus. I want to see others grow closer to Jesus. I want to grow closer to my family. Have you been as fruitful as you should be? It's not to condemn, it's to reflect and it's to be better. I want to lead people to Jesus. So I've got to be looking for opportunities. I want to be more generous than I've ever been in my life. I've got to be looking for opportunities. I want to be more patient with my family and my children. I need to be looking for opportunities. I want to be fruitful. So we're going to pray a prayer today. It's a simple one. And if you want to pray that prayer with me, I'm going to ask you to stand because it's the motive. And the prayer is simple today. If you want to be more fruitful for the kingdom of God and in your relationship with Jesus, I want you to declare that by standing and then we'll pray. Father, today, and if you're at home, I want to encourage you and you're online, lift your hands where you are, stand if you want to. Father, I pray that we would not do religion. Coming here every week, going through the rhythm of church and going home and not seeing the evidence produced in our lives is leaves with no fruit. Father, I want to grow closer to You. I want to take the opportunities that You give me. I want to look with fresh eyes for what I am reproducing in my life. Because I want to honour You with the way I live and I want there to be evidence Father, I know I'm saved by grace. I know your requirement was not perfection, but repentance. But Father, I pray that you would use us, as Matthew 5, 16 says, to let our light shine before men, that they'll see what we're doing, our good deeds, and praise our Father in heaven. Father, we want to be more fruitful. I might ask the singers to come. There may be people across this room today that you feel guilty about your level of fruitfulness. There may be some people that feel they need to repent. There may be some people excited about a new challenge. It's the motivation of the heart. So as we sing this song, I don't want to force anything in our community. I want it to be spirit-led, but would you do me a favour and would you assess in this moment as you worship, 
where you can improve, where you can take opportunities. And then simply say, Father, where I've been disobedient, I repent. And Father, help me to walk it out better. I want to grow closer to You, Jesus. I want to be used by You in every season and where I'm at. You know, I get a picture of some person sitting at a desk and you're a, you're a, you're a office worker, you're looking out a window. And on the screen, it sort of says, where is my opportunity? And then I felt like the Lord swung around the chair and there was an office full of people. I believe that there are going to be people across this place that are gonna get fresh eyes to see where God needs you to be. Fresh excitement about starting new conversations about who He is and what He's done in your life. And awareness to not be caught up in the rhythm, but to desire to produce fruit. So Father, I pray for every person across this room. Father, I pray that we will walk it out. We'll walk it out. Father, I don't ever wanna be leaves and no fruit. But Father, let it be that what we advertise as a community is who we are. Father, I pray that You would forgive us for where we've been disobedient or not willing to move and be uncomfortable. And Father, I pray that as the Holy Spirit, You empower us, let us be witnesses like we never have been before. In Jesus' name.